Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Max! Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Hello! I'm running everything tonight. My name is Kimmy. Um, This is... Season 24, episode 15 of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast and advice show. Um, and I have friends with me today. Who do I have with me today? Hi, I'm Tappy. And I don't know why I put an end on that. <laughs> this is not a game. Hi, I'm Mary. Hi, I'm Kurt. Yes. Uh, and tonight in this episode, we are talking about uh, Andy from Germany sends in an email and he wants some opinions. That's good. We have a lot of those. Um, Christopher has some things he'd like to say in RPGs with IPs. And Bill in Ann Arbor asks about personal gold standards in RPGs. And if you would like to email us and get our opinions, which we have many of, please email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. You can find us on social media. We have a forum first off. That's happyjacksforum.com or happyjacks.org slash forum. Um, and there's lots of stuff happening. It's very bumping there um, and very mobile-friendly now. Go check it out. Um, we also have Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. I'm not doing the other one. Uh, <laughs> all of those are uh, Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. Happy Jacks RPG, all one word on all the social meteors. I have no idea which one you skipped. <laughs> Even me, we. Yeah, no. Steve <laughs> <laughs> says that, and he posts there once every three months. It's not a thing. <laughs> Do not waste your energy. No, it's, it's Mayway. Yeah, <laughs> Go to the uh, forum maybe. instead. People post there. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> if you want to watch the show live, you can ch- check us out at happyjacks.org slash live. We've got links there to both Twitter and, or sorry, both Twitch and YouTube, which both stream the show live. Um, and I think that's everything. Right? We don't have any... I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even pay attention when Stu does it. I know. Stu looks at me, so I'm looking at you because you're where I usually sit. I know. Sit, it's awesome. And I have all I'm the so answers excited. usually. <laughs> I'll totally you're give saying you answers. that you don't now? <laughs> I, I'm doing more yeah. things right now in this show. No, you can tell, I will totally tell you my opinion on, okay. on things. Yeah, you will. You totally yeah, will. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I think that's everything right now. Uh, Stu will be back next week. His kid's in a show tonight, so he's being mm-hmm. a good dad and filming his kid's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so why don't we start with the first email? And, Kurt, you have some at least basic knowledge of German. Yeah. So you were going <laughs> to take this email. What's your I, definition of basic? Better than <laughs> mine. <laughs> he, can or, he can order at least three different alcoholic beverages in German. There we go. That's so much more. <laughs> Beer? That's his favorite. Hey. All right, so Happy Happy Jack's Barometer from Mm -hmm. Andy in Germany. Grüße, liebste Frau Buchsen. That would be greetings, dearest Happy Jacks. See? With Jacks translated as the place to put headphones into. Oh, my. Uh, Andy from Germany here once more. I'm just going to say that that translation could be a much worse option. Oh, yes. Like, (laughs) there are many worse (laughs) options that it could be. He could have found a German translation for douchebag. So it's, <laughs> it's like a but what do you call like the the sticky out bit on the headphones that plugs into the jack? What is that called? The plug. The, yeah. So the, yeah. so we are plug receptors. The male plug receptors. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sticky outy thing. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <Sticky> <laughs> it's a technical term. Yeah. Not a lot of people know it. 
Yeah. Um, Only us real big tech guys. Yeah, know that. we're professionals. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> 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 All right, continue. Sorry. Andy from Germany here once more. Since I actually managed to get my email read last time, I figured to give it another shot. This time I have a series of five questions I'd like to hear your position on, partially for a setting I'm working on, but mostly out of curiosity and for fun. Without further ado. Question numero un. What do you prefer? a soft magic system where most questions as to its mechanics are answered with it's magic or a hard magic system where it follows distinct and consistent rules hmm. do we want to take these one at a time or, or do we, we want to go them all okay. and then we'll go back and kind we'll of go back to them. okay pregunta numero duo what do you prefer when it comes to modern day settings a setting where everything still kind of works as normal with some elements added on top uh, e.g. Shadowrun, Dresden Files, or a modern but post-apocalyptic setting. Frage Nummer 3. Which do you prefer, a progression system based on internal power, levels and the like, or an item equipment-based progression system? Hmm. I don't know Asian languages. I can't even read this one. So I'm, I'm assuming it says question four. Uh, <laughs> it actually does have the numeral four, so I can read that much. Which do you prefer? A setting which draws heavily from familiar elements like existing fiction, orcs, elves, etc., or the real world, or a setting where most things are more or less original? Hmm. Question number five. What do you think is the point a character... A what do you think the, is the point a character should come together? Right away at the beginning of a campaign or in the middle to slash later parts? Usually level 5 for D&D and such. You can answer both for the gameplay mechanics and a character's personal story. Mm-hmm. P.S. A fun fact about Germany, or Europe in general, we have a bunch of bejeweled skeletons of supposed saints in churches here and they look garish as heck. This is true. I, I've seen several of them. Yes. Um, awesome. And yeah, that's. But you didn't sign it, so how is it a postscript? Uh, this is very, very true. It, well, it is after the rest of the sc- script. So. It's his email. He can do what he wants. Yes, yeah. it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andy, in Germany. So okay, so let's go back and take Don't these one by one. All right. Um, <laughs> so the first one: soft or hard. I have an opinion Magic. on this. Magic system. <laughs> Magic system. <laughs> you have an opinion? I, I can't imagine, Tabby. My opinion is the two things you described are not mutually exclusive. Same. Oh. Same opinion, actually. Yeah. Is, you know, why something happens. I can tell you why a, a thing happens without having, like, Fireball be one of, like, your spells. Like, I didn't tell you exactly how uh, magic works in my version mm-hmm. of... Um, World of Darkness, mm-hmm. even though it it's very fast and loose, yeah. um, and so it's like it sounds more like the question is, do you like effects that the caster, the person playing the caster, can choose as opposed to having discrete spells that you can then cast? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, that that's, was that's what it sounds more like. Well, um, I think it might also have to do with like. Like the rules, because like the spells in D and D, for example, if you cast a magic missile, there are very specific 
rules to how a magic missile functions. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So versus uh, like a PBTA system, which is I know our favorite like soft example all the time. Like you're like, okay, you do something. It's it. There's rules to it, but it's not like what magic missile where it's well, it can be. I guess it depends on the example. Yeah, that's because like in original <laughs> Apocalypse World, yeah, the uh, the brainer. Mm-hmm. Has very specific like this. You can do in-brain puppet strings, yeah, and this is how it works. And you can do these things, but mm-hmm. it's it's very kind of discreet and specific, as opposed to some other ones based on Apocalypse World, right? Where it's more like, ha ha, yeah, like these are the effects of it, and you get to kind of narrate the the how or why it the works trappings. necessarily, right. yeah, or even like with with masks mm-hmm. abilities, yeah, like there's a sorcery ability, yeah, and it just lets you do magic, so yeah. you can do. Magical things mm-hmm. when you're uh, uh, unleashing your powers mm-hmm. or, or whatnot, but still somehow magically like still balanced. Well, yeah, <laughs> because you're still just using the same moves. Yeah, exactly. Just you have uh, different opportunities in which you use them. Yeah. So I'm gonna one the before he started asking the questions, he asked specifically about setting, not about mechanics, because he's building the setting for his game. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, I'm, I think I'm actually approaching this question a, a different way. Mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking about it in terms of magic as in the world being like, ooh, it's magic, and most people don't understand it, versus it's magic, let me give you my PhD dissertation on how this works. How works. Okay. So I, I feel like he's asking a slightly different question there. And the reason I don't think they're mutually exclusive is because at that point, if you have a system like that, you're going to have people who are overeducated and pretentious mm-hmm. who are like let me explain to you how this is harder than physics but completely logical with my magic and you're going to have other people who are like look I pulled a rabbit out of my pants mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and they're not going to necessarily explain all of it because they've learned a couple of tricks mm-hmm. that maybe they follow a set mini ritual to make happen mm-hmm. and it happens yeah. um, so I, I feel like it, this is one question where you're really dealing with on a level of what type of characters do you have in play? Because mm-hmm. sure. if you have a street mage, and I'm going to kind of hit Shadowrun on this because that's something I'm actively playing right now. Nice. If you have a street mage, then they're kind of like, yeah, I watched this guy and I learned this thing, but I've got to have a yellow shoelace for it to work. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have somebody else who like is the full hermetic tradition working for a corporation mm-hmm. who it's practically, it pretty much is science with the way they test and refine things. Mm-hmm. Both of them work. Both of them actually use the same set of mechanics and results in the game, but it's very much a flavor thing based on the character and the personality and who's doing something. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like you can have both of those in the world depending on what what characters you have and what NPCs you need to introduce. And Mm -hmm. that can actually be a really fun source of tension in a party where you accidentally have an entire party of magic users who all have different schools of magic. Yeah. I think oh, like uh, yeah. Mage Ascension. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that's it. exactly what yeah. I was thinking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but mage, yeah. one of Mary's favorites. So um, uh, we've been trying to get it, get a mage game going for quite some time. But um, <laughs> the first time I, I read it, because I'm very familiar with Vampire, yeah. as everyone knows, but it, that has very discreet rules for magic. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the first time I read Mage, I was like, so what can I do? And Mary says, anything. Uh, it, but but yeah. how, how, how 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 do I how do I do any you you, you say yeah. that you do it and you mm. you do and it you hope the dice and those are in the same 
basic setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Those are both in the world of darkness. So I mean, there's different approaches, yep. and how a chorister approaches it differs very much from how a hermetic yeah. approaches it. Before we just one second, I want to tap on something that that Mary said a second ago that I think also includes like both w- of what you were saying. Because one thing you said in your statement was, you know, you've got the street mage, and then you've got like the corporation mage. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, but the mechanic, like, no matter what the flavor is, the mechanics beneath both work the same way. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point. Like, you can have things flavored, but I think no matter how you have it flavored or set up in your setting or system, like there has to be some consistency to how magic operates in a universe. Yeah, and um, you know, I, like w- moving away from game examples and into more like movie examples, like. Harry Potter, like, there's very, like, movie and book, sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's very specific examples of how magic works in that world. Like, there's potions, there's actual casting of spells that requires, like, specific things be done with a wand and saying things. To be fair, they don't actually say why... Right. The specific thing that the wands and the moving things actually works. Right. There's no explanation, but the mechanics are this. You have to do those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it gives a shared understanding. So uh, a wizard who has their hands bound is at a disadvantage. So it, it just gives those same basic rules of I, I'd like, like rules of gravity, but rules of magic-y? Yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, um, that goes right into what I was going to wanted to say, yeah. and that is through the lens of world building. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. when I run a game, like I was saying, with like World of Darkness, mm-hmm. I always want them to know why magic works, even if yeah. the players don't, or even the characters don't know all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that brings me a little bit away from like the setting itself, which I'm okay with, because I love changing things. Um, <laughs> so like, why does alchemy work? Mm-hmm. Why does that, like, so in, um, uh, in Exalted... I'm going, okay, why does why does alchemy work? Why does why do all these I mean it's a flat plane with these elemental poles. There's no planet. There's no like actual like the sun is a literal god. Mm-hmm. Um so it's like, okay, there are no such things as molecules. Mm-hmm. They're only just tiny, tiny minuscule gods that aren't really self aware that do the things molecules do. Yeah. And then you can bind them together <laughs> in different or they're basically like atoms. Yeah. And then bind them together in different molecules to do molecule like yeah. things. Yeah. And that allows me to know why alchemy works. Mm-hmm. And because I know why alchemy works, then when a player comes up with something that they want to do, it's like, oh yeah, sure, you want to make fire come out of that thing? Sure, there's a whole fuck ton of fire and all of that stuff. Yeah. So you just got to break it apart and Yeah. So even if the players don't know, you as the world creator, and then because you can then adjudicate like what would work and what doesn't. That makes perfect sense. And, and it has to, I believe that you have to make a fair adjudication. Yeah, mm-hmm. the rules of how the dice... But not even just the rules, like with the world. It has yeah. to be fair. And in order for it to be fair, it's best for it to for you to know what it is. Mm-hmm. Or if you make a decision, do your best to remember it and build things on that. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you have like a world, consistency. If you have a world where you've only had mind magic, you don't want to suddenly pop up with a fireball just because the player thinks it'll be fun. Right. Yeah. Although sometimes you do because then they've just created a new school of <laughs> magic and you have an entirely different plot. But it, it, it's an informed decision. If you're open, I that. never change my yeah. plot. <laughs> <laughs> right. And actually, Tuffy, you did the, a great one. And I mean, you didn't mean necessarily for it to be public, but we were playing um, our, our masks game on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And your character, I'm not going to give spoilers, but did this right. really cool thing. Mm-hmm. And you rolled really well. But it was like one of these things where it was like, okay, well, it works. And we're gonna have to figure out why it works. And you came mm-hmm. up with a really great reason, yeah. like 
why it works, which you should like go post it in the forum or something. Yeah, so that I'll we do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but it's it, but it's cool the way you use your because you're uh, the newborn. Mm-hmm. So it's not magic necessarily, but it's like your tech yeah. power mm-hmm. to do something which was kind of like magic. Yeah, but yeah, it, it looked really like, like magic. Yeah, and so when I got home, I was like, it can't be magic. It's I'm not, not okay no. with that. No. It's yeah. sufficiently advanced well, technology. Yeah. No, but, <laughs> but I can't do the hand wavy. It's technology, right? Right. Like yeah. for me, how I like it, I want to make sense of how sure. it works mm-hmm. with like my character so that it it all fits within that uh, like realm of the character. Sure. Right. I don't want to suddenly like tack on, oh yeah, and I'm an astronaut. Right. Well, so I have a question for you with regards to that specific thing. Mm-hmm. Would you um, entertain the situation either as a GM or as a player um, where uh, you were suddenly able to do something that you can't explain? And especially as a player. Or a pl- if you were the GM, one player was suddenly able to do something that they couldn't explain, and then that gives them the opportunity to figure out well, how, why that worked, how that, that they were able to do that. But that's a different situation. Oh, okay. Like, right. if Kimmy said, oh, your character does this, or, you know, you're playing, and then suddenly, like, this thing completely changes, and, like, you're doing this awesome thing that you didn't even know you could do. Mm-hmm. That's different okay. than me saying, "Oh, I'm doing this totally awesome thing that I didn't even know I could." It's not even on my character sheet. Oh, yes, <laughs> all right, fair enough. Because okay. then, me knowing how the universe works can right. adjudicate whether it's something that actually would work in the physics of that world. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a little bit of a, a thing. Let's so, move yeah. on to question. The, the yeah, I, I think we've just agreed we want consistent mechanics that yeah. can be mysterious as long as they feel fair, and well, as long as the person creating the world understands it mm-hmm. so there can be consistency. Yeah. Yes. The, the world must have consistency, yes. first and foremost. And this is yeah. what a GM should be doing. It should be adjudicating fairness across, to a certain extent. Adjudicating fairness. I yeah. need a gavel. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how uh, Traveler calls it the referee. Therefore. There you go, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the ref is blind, as we all know. <laughs> Sorry, let's go on. Number two. Number uh, two. Okay, yeah. uh, oh, there you go. What do you prefer when it comes to modern day settings? Do we like um, a setting where everything still works kind of as normal, with some elements added in, like Shadowrun and Dresden Files, or a modern but post apocalyptic setting? G Tappy, I don't know. What well, do you prefer? I like both of them. I mean, <laughs> I love post apocalyptic shit. Yeah. I mean, that's that is. One hundred percent, my jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I did a LARP of that for like four years. Forever, <laughs> not even stopping. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, but uh, I mean, I don't see how those are are necessarily mutually exclusive. Yeah. Just because, like, in post apocalypse, I mean, it is still technically like I'm. I think. I guess what he's trying to say is like the world works as like the. Um, I think just asking like our preference. Civilization. Yeah, like not that they're mutually exclusive. It's like which flavor ice cream do you like right now? I mean, ah, uh, that's. I mean, you asked me to choose favorite this, child here. Both, like, both, both of these are, are speculative fiction. Yeah. And, right, and it was just a matter of is it is it past, present, mm. or future? Yeah. I, uh, mm, mm, I, I disagree because okay. yeah. the type of dystopia and like. What the actual threat is is fundamentally different. Well, this yeah. didn't actually bring up dystopia. Well, but that's what <laughs> yeah. we're talking about. Most apocalyptic tends to be though, mm-hmm. and and so is Shadowrun. I mean, yeah. cyberpunk yeah. is definitely dystopia. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And yeah. so you have like an unfriendly world that you is des- that is actively trying to kill you. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. not specifically. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you have a world where they're not specifically trying to kill you, yeah. but actively doing it. 
Right, but right? I mean, like there's there are people behind it. Like a corporation has all of the power, mm-hmm. and post-apocalyptic, nobody really has all of the power because you're all fucked. Right, and mm-hmm. so it's really like the world and the situation mm-hmm. that has all of the power. It's it's, um, like uh, if you've seen Cabin in the Woods, yeah. Are you seen Cabin in the Woods? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that scared fuck out of me. Oh yeah, because. It was somebody intentionally doing it to you. Yeah. That is very different than most horror. Most yeah. horror, people accidentally get into a house where there's ghosts or, or yeah. like, mm-hmm. happen to be at a camp. But this is choosing people and directing it to them. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is more of, like, what Shadowrun is. Mm-hmm. But they, he also okay. brings up the President Files, specifically. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at his examples, and I'm thinking the question is, is more... I don't think post-apocalyptic is quite the right description of in the comparison here. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going on the idea that English is not his first language, so that's why I'm kind of like, there might be some wiggle room here. Maybe. And it's it really well written. It is yeah. really There's well There's a lot of correct punctuation. Yeah, so. yes. the, the Germans learn English very well. Yes, better than most, <laughs> most yeah. Americans. Well, yes. So I, I, in Germany or German? It's, yeah, um, it just says but it might I, be in I, Germany. I, I think mean, the comparison is modern setting with that element of fantasy or sci-fi, but most of the world works the way we are used to the world working, mm-hmm. versus a world where you're going to have a lot of things are super wildly different and you can't make basic assumptions. But Shadowrun is an example of like the normal. Shadowrun has a lot of pieces where it pretty much works like normal. I mean, it's stuff Without for Shack. society, specifically. It's stuff for Shack instead of Starbucks. Um, but, I mean, in terms of what... Maybe, maybe this is also my perspective based on the Shadowrun game I am currently playing in. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a lot of ways, it feels a lot like current society where you kind of fucked up a little bit, except also there's magic in orcs, but society as a whole and human behavior and expectations are roughly the same. I usually mm. think of it as... I would, I would disagree with that. Yeah, I uh, usually okay. think of it more as post-apocalyptic with, like, mega corporations, like, thrown in there. Well, yeah. it, how, how I see it is, yeah, mega corporations are, like, the big thing in control, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, the world is being controlled by these people, and you as a Shadowrunner are sinless. Like, everybody has a system identification number. You are outside of that. Yeah. And so your world is really that of a hobo. Your murder hobo gets paid very well for what you do because you are a deniable asset between these other corporations. Yeah. And that is a very different world than I live in. Yeah. You know? Okay, like, okay that's fair. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. We, we've had to go on too many shopping runs for me to be, feel like it's a completely different world. I mean, mm. yeah. <laughs> you can go shopping? Oh, you have uh, probably fake since then. Um. <laughs> Yes, now we do. <laughs> but but there's a lot of interacting with society and blending in normal in the game that I'm currently playing. So yeah, oh, see that's totally different than how I play Shadowrun. Yeah, because um, I like giant mohawks and like fucking. Yeah. We we also time traveled and are trying to hunt down. It's a long story. I'm going to stay focused, but it's a long story. I always drop in and play the bad guys in one shot. That's like how I play Shadowrun. Like except for the Rainbow Railroad last year, that's the only time I've actually played like a good character in Shadowrun. That game is why I'm in Shadowrun now because I have so much fun with it. I asked this other guy. He was like, "I want to run a one shot," and I said, "How about Shadowrun?" And it turned into a campaign. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's how it does. And oh my god, we're. I I personally love. I mean, I like playing post-apocalyptic. If I'm running, um, I definitely like like more normal, just because there's at least for me, just there's more shit. I like more subtle stuff to mess with my players with, mm. um, and that's a little bit harder to kind of plan out for mm. in a post-apocalyptic because it tends to be more 
well, let's just blow up the building. Right. So it can be other things, but yeah, I, 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 I mean, having run various games in either modern settings where everything is as you expect it to be, mm-hmm. or in historical settings like the game I ran during World War One. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do like setting in setting games in uh, established, not. Fiction IPs, mm-hmm. but more like historical IP, yeah. uh, not IPs, <laughs> more like <laughs> historical settings. Yeah. Because for one, I you can, are Disney I can, for mentioning World War One. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I for one, the research is easier. Um, That's true. And and for two, if my players do research in this, mm-hmm. then I have expectations I can fuck with. That's true. And there's, that's always fun. There's <laughs> one thing I've learned is you cannot rely on your players to do research. No, you cannot. <laughs> or read the rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. Or read the rules between games. Or bring their character sheets or dice. <laughs> or right. yeah. I love um, my friends. <laughs> but you can, they will usually breathe in and out. They will yeah. bring, and they will drink your beer. Yeah. I won't. <laughs> oh, <She> won't. <laughs> <laughs> drink your alcohol. No, nope. <laughs> usually not. I'm usually driving, so. Oh, okay. That's Unless cool. you have whiskey that is 15, that is 25 years old or older. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Anyway, let's okay. go to the next thing. Let's yes. go to the next thing. Maybe um, we'll just do one thing. A progression system based on internal power levels or the like, or an item equipment based progression system. So, um, I, I examples. I mean, D and D obviously is a level based system. Most D and D is also an item equipment. Also, okay, bad example. Um, uh, uh, World of Darkness is a is an incremental. Indif- Internal power. World of Darkness is not on that list as an option. I understand that. <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> establish okay. if I understand. You don't, you don't have to this do that. We can a, just talk yeah, about it. This one's not a multiple choice. We can't yeah. Well, okay, <laughs> but I'm trying to understand it in, in terms of yeah. the question. But I think and World of Darkness is a good example because I don't think you can have, like, unless a GM decides to make up some powerful there item. Are, there are very few. Yeah, yeah like, it's um, not something you're, you're going to... a mage, and then you can make your own. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, but but that's as, opposed to, as opposed to <laughs> Traveler, which <laughs> is almost entirely based on equipment. Yes, that's a good example of that. Cause it's not entirely, but, but almost. Yeah, it's hard. To, you know, at, at the first, um, going from zero to one takes, I think, eight weeks of study in something. Um, and then a die roll, yeah. Going to one to two... Oh, no, zero to one takes eight, sixteen eight weeks. weeks. Eight I weeks. Think. Is it eight weeks? Yeah, I thought eight weeks was from nothing to zero. And then I think from zero to one is sixteen weeks. Like, it like doubles. So you can you, you do improve, um, yeah. but you do it very slowly. And your right. basic stats really don't... Your basic you six stats... You can't change your stats. Yeah. I just glazed over there, guys. What were we yeah. talking about? <laughs> okay, you did not get to glaze over when we're talking mechanics. <laughs> really? <laughs> Seriously? We're talking mechanics, then we're talking weeks. <laughs> anyway, point being... Weeks is downtown. Yeah. Point being, equipment downtown. versus I, I, internal ability. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, um... Uh, see, that's... Yeah, it, Again, it, like... I like the feeling that my character has progressed in a logical way related to the plot. So I hate mm-hmm. leveling, but I like internal power. Yeah. Um, yeah. If the way I progress in relation to the plot is the result of getting items and equipment, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But like D&D level progression, it's like, hey, cool. I am suddenly able to sneak up on people, although I haven't made a stealth roll in five levels. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> I, I I think that's I, I think that's true. Like it, like there can be like the leveling system, like we think in D and D, can be a little clunky. Where more point by systems or systems where like World of Darkness, when you improve, you get to kind of put it where you want and where it makes sense yeah. for your character. Yeah. Or one roll engine. Yeah, one, yeah, yeah. And the one roll engine does that too. Uh, now there is customization in D and D's leveling. Like you get to choose. You know, there's the options you can choose and things yeah. like that. But I think it feels much more sudden. It's more like when you play a video game and bloop, 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 and suddenly yeah. that's the wrong noise I know, but whatever. Um, <laughs> That'd be awesome if it was though. I want to play that game. In, real, <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah, just like, in the middle of combat. In the middle oh, of man. In somebody re- like in real life, like you're thing. like walking through the parking lot and you like, oh hey, I did my taxes? Bloop bloop bloop. Please somebody oh get God, that soundbite and just the, like the end. No. No. Sue's not here. It'll never happen. But um, but it can feel a little bit more. Uh, uh, a little less elegant yeah. where in other systems um, and even in Traveler Traveler's a good example like you, it, it, it makes more sense with the story because like I spend my weeks studying you know Americish or whatever I want to get better yeah. in um, while D&D it's suddenly like and you're more powerful by like yeah. a lot yeah. and in game uh, only three hours have passed but you fought a lot of things yeah. <laughs> one of the things about Traveler though specifically as, a, as an example of items make you better. In a lot of cases, it is, isn't just items. Like, there are like, oh, I got, you know, a better pistol or something that makes you more powerful. But, like, if you get, like, a bigger ship somehow, mm-hmm. you also need a crew. You need, like, where did you get that? Who Like, there's a lot of social stuff. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. like, working that imperial system. Yeah. Um, and a lot like, of it's tied in with your skills, too. So, like, if you want a power suit, you have to have VAC 2 to use mm-hmm. it. And, like, if you want to get that from this Duke, mm-hmm. you have to... Somebody has to figure out how to get in good with the Duke. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do all of these things involved with it. And so it still feels to me like the the character is doing it. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. it sure. isn't like you something is bestowed upon you, which is kind of like how it feels in this one, like... It feels like they're saying more like looting things. Like you walk along, you kill somebody, and you loot at stuff, and now you're more powerful, as opposed to more of like entrenching yourself within the world mm-hmm. and and having that because that's how people do stuff. Yeah. Like as people, like that's how people get more powerful in corporations or like do some more of like the pillar of the community or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very important for that social aspect that internalized power mm-hmm. translate to externalized power when you're working sure. in this sort of situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The item you get doesn't make you more powerful. It's the reward you got for uh, being able to access it, sort of. No? I feel, no? I feel no. like we I feel like we want the same thing. Like I don't think we, we're saying one is better than the other necessarily, but I think we're saying that both the character becoming more powerful and both getting more items have to make sense with the story. And yeah. have to be something yeah. that makes sense with the progression. Sure. So where sometimes, like we're, we keep using D and D as the example of the things that don't do that. It's where the you easiest leveling one to remember. Yeah, exactly. So. And the one that most people are familiar with. But yeah. like, there's the leveling where you're suddenly much more powerful, and then there's the oh, we killed the thing, and now we get the more powerful thing. Where there's not really the effort of building the skills or the the resources to get either the more power as your character mm-hmm. or more items as your character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I summarized. Yeah. Kill me. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I found in my Traveler game yeah. is not necessarily they were getting 
I mean, their skills were going up, mm-hmm. but I mean, can uh, Bill deciding that they're just going to destroy like an entire country basically and take it over, and then they do? Yeah. I mean, that right there is it makes you way more powerful. This successful campaign to overthrow a government. Yeah. And yeah. so, is that item based leveling? Yeah, that, that's kind where you, of you could describe it as such. That's where you're like, my equipment is this country, and it raises my social stat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but technically, it does. Yeah, because you're like, oh, my country will destroy you and your yeah. puny house. Yeah, you have a social status of three. Not anymore. Here, I'm a duke. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah. that's like a whole other category <laughs> right, in of yeah. itself. Right. <laughs> uh, awesome. Next one. Uh, so which you prefer, a setting which draws heavily from familiar ev- uh, elements like existing fiction, orcs, elves, etc., or the or the real world, or a setting where most things are more or less original. Oh, so we have three choices for this one. Well, I, it, it seems to like lump existing fiction IP and real world into one category, and then so make I, up everything okay. on the spot. So uh, not make up everything on the spot. I, I think it's more like the GM made up. The yeah. background world more, and I'll be honest. Like I have played enough goddamn D and D that if I never play D and D again in my life, I'm fine as long as I keep playing other systems. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I don't need any more Pathfinder. I don't need any more anything that is set in that basic Eberron mm-hmm. setting. I have done it a lot. Now that's that said, if somebody asks me if I want to play and I like the people, I'm going to play anyway. But I would also be perfectly happy to never play it again. Mm-hmm. So, no offense, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So basically, like, do you like things that are like like well known, or or do you like campaigns that are all original? Yeah. If I play something well known, I gotta fuck it up. Like, <laughs> I I really like being able to use my own original like creativity. So yeah. it's like if I'm playing in some sort of D and D world, there's definitely going to be something different that makes you know, the world feel different for me, or like I've changed. Like how something works, um, or something like like mm-hmm. just yeah. playing straight up D anD D, or are uh, like other IPs. Like if if you talk about Middle Earth, mm-hmm. like boy, Tolkien wrote really good books. Yeah, I really like reading them. Yeah, I I don't need to tell that story anymore. Like yeah. I don't need to yeah. play in Middle Earth. Right. I would like to do something where where I have come up with it. That's right. more fun yeah. for me. I'd like the idea that I have some influence on the world as much as the world maybe not as much as the world has influence on me but I can change things well as the GM no as a player no no but that's what I'm talking about as a GM yeah he's asking like I like playing things that are different oh okay all right yeah like very specifically like there's a a world that I've been working on which is um uh it's everybody's an elf and then somebody killed the sun because it's a god, and so there has been night now for six months. Everything's snowy, everything's frozen. Uh, like, there are monsters out in the dark <laughs> that you need to hunt and kill, but these are the monsters that have hunt- hunted and killed everything else. Can, can I play? It's very cool. <laughs> I, I've been working on this for a while, um, so I don't know when it'll be done, yeah. but, like, yeah. that's the kind of thing that, yeah. that interests yeah. me, mm-hmm. is... Yeah. You know, what do these monsters even look like? I don't know, but they're yeah. going to be—they're totally going to be fucked up. I want a world where I get to explore and discover as a player as well as as a character. Yeah, and if yeah. so, I don't mind if the inspiration is from the real world. If you picked a patch of history I'm not used to, mm-hmm. or it's like drawing your inspiration from uh, various South American mythologies mm-hmm. instead of 
oh look it's another Greek god mm-hmm. like so I like stuff that I just haven't done over and over yeah. and if it's something that the storyteller created totally on their own and it's a new setting that's great if it's something where the storyteller was really inspired by a mythos I haven't played in mm-hmm. that's great too yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah it, it, I was in years ago I was in a, a game that was set in Babylon 5 right mm-hmm. specifically it was set in season 3 yeah. of Babylon 5 Episode uh, five. No, I, oh no, there were there were points where we were able to identify which episode we were in, but the the aspects that we as players were dealing with were uh, there. That was you know the stories that weren't being told on the show, mm-hmm. and so there were things that we were coming up oh. against that. that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Babylon Five. Yeah, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I. I don't know. I like both, honestly. Yeah. Um, I've never played in a Tolkien game. I don't think I'd enjoy that because I think that'd be something. <laughs> You'd be so angry all the time. <laughs> See <laughs> how it works. See, a friend of mine is running. He's currently running a game set in the first stage. Yeah. They'd have to really know their stuff. Oh, he does. He knows. <laughs> he knows his I stuff. I feel like the, I don't know for that. Like I don't know. It's a, it's a lore that I love, like reading about and ima- but like everything's kind of been done for it. I think kind of like I agree with Tappy. As much as I love it, yeah. Like that's not a story I need to tell because I know that story really, really well. <laughs> right. And I, I don't even know if I could play that game and do something unique because I know all of it so well. Sure, but if somebody were to, uh, if you were to be invited to play in a game that was hmm. set in, I don't know, the Farscape universe. Yeah, I have no idea about any of it. So right. cool. So it's an existing IP, well, but yeah. you're not as familiar with it. Right, right. exactly. Right. So to me, it seems original because I don't sure. know about it. Right. So to me, it would be the same as someone coming and making a whole original universe because I know just as much about the Farscape universe as I do about whatever the hell they made sure. it. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's kind of got that same thing. Um, I tend to, when I'm running games, I like creating things from scratch. I actually designed a game to create a world from scratch <laughs> yes, because yeah. I like doing that so much. <laughs> goldenlassogames.com slash Dekuma. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. And I think, I think again, here we, are, we have the, the argument of, like, what is original? Because yeah. I think, like, there are some really original ideas out there, but they all are kind of on the basis of the same similar elements. Um, yeah. So it's like, are there any new ideas? It's like the same question that everybody in all art forms there are, asks. There are yeah. I mean, there's only so plots. many different progressions you can have in music. Exactly. So I'm pretty sure what, most of them have been Eventually, done so far. We, yeah, we all write Stairway to Heaven again yeah. at some point by accident. Like, son <laughs> of a... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Six conflicts, 37 plots. Right, something, yeah. something like that. So I, I, but I like the... I like the creativity that comes with creating something original. Sure. And I like the... I like the feeling as a player when it's something original because I feel like I can kind of contribute to it. Right. Um, one of the things that I feel about kind of s- regular settings is either it's like a book or a movie or something, there's already a contrived uh, like thing that makes life untenable, that you have to do something. Mm-hmm. Or everything's kind of in stasis. And... I like creating worlds where, like, by its very nature, the players are compelled to do something. Mm -hmm. Or else things they do not want to happen, happen. Right. Um, And so, I mean, you can, obviously. And I think if you keep that in mind, if you are doing a a regular thing, Mm -hmm. that, okay, here's this regular world. How can I make it so that the players want to do stuff? Yeah. Um, And throw that wrench in there, and then it's, I think it's more fun. Yeah. Because now... 
something new has happened that you have to deal with. And then you can discover what it is, figure out how to do whatever. But you also aren't given a, a quest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so uh, that's kind of my take on it. Oh, yeah. So cool. I think the agreement is we like things that we're not familiar with, but it's it can come from an IP we don't know, or it can be something created by the GM. Or just, I feel like, I mean, I love playing in Star Wars games, but I don't like playing, and we've talked about this Agnosium, so thank you for listening to me say it again. Um, but I don't like playing in like the Skywalker part of it. Yeah. So it's right. like I'd rather be a smuggler on Batu that like nobody's ever heard of and nobody will ever hear of. Right. Yeah. And things like that. So new stories, I think, yeah. as long as I'm not being plugged into, you know, the Lord of the Rings and here's the ring. <laughs> Take it right. to Mount Doom. And I'm like, I, I catapult. <laughs> yeah. Done. Hey, eagles. <laughs> Um, well, and also through the lens of a GM, which I think again we have yeah. to remember here. Like it doesn't, you would be familiar with it yeah. if not. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, a, a at least for me, like a new thing or putting a big new twist on whatever thing it is is more interesting. Yeah, yeah. totally. Be creative. Uh, number five. Uh, what do you think is the point a character should come together mm-hmm. right away at the beginning of a campaign or? In the middle or later parts. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't. Um, I yeah, good. So I LARP a lot. That's honestly yeah. why I probably put more time in LARPing recently, mm-hmm. just because of what's been available to me. And I have characters where I walk out into the game, and I I can put on this character skin mm-hmm. from the first step I take. And I have other characters where five games later, I'm still struggling to find the character's motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is. Entirely just like it's from my internal player. My my stat sheets are almost always solid because I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally my sh- stat sheets are chaotic disasters, but that's usually deliberate reflecting the, <laughs> the character's <Yeah>. personality. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for me as a player, if I can't lock into what matters to my character within two to three sessions... Mm-hmm. It's going to make for non-cohesive gameplay because I'm going to start just spitballing what's my motivation mm-hmm. or just be like, I'm going to do this fucking chaotic thing and maybe it'll give me something that becomes my character motivation because it, it entertains me as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, but this isn't something that I feel like a storyteller can control because it has to be that piece of the character background clicks with my psyche. Um, I have character sheets that two years later are still a hot mess because I'm literally buying things in reaction to what I'm doing in game mm-hmm. and I'm like that guy over there just dropped 20 dice to do something I rolled three for the same action mm-hmm. but that reflects my character so mechanically yeah. unless yeah. I just don't have enough points to build the character in my head and that, then it comes together in a couple sessions but for me with like clicking with the character and the, be able, the ability to play it I really want that within a couple sessions and I can't control that unfortunately because at some point it either clicks or it doesn't, and I have to make a new character. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, and yeah. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that, mm-hmm. because, but uh, with the idea of, like, a character coming together, uh, what you said kind of, like, uh, kind of sparked an idea in me of, Perfect. like, in my character, ah, I just actually hit something. Uh, <laughs> in uh, our mask game, you should see masks every single Wednesday on happyjacks.com. Yeah. Or dot com. 
Happy Jacks.org. Oh my God, you're fired. <laughs> for ten years. The same Dot com is a tobacco company. For ten years. <laughs> um, like this character is, is very different than a lot of the characters that I play because it's not like super edgy or destroyed or have a super tragic backstory. But there's very specifically room for growth, and that's what the character is about growth. Mm. So like who this character is going to become as an individual is a big part of what I'm playing right now. As opposed to, typically I know who the character is as an individual and they are being pushed against an untenable situation. Right? Kind of like what I described yeah. before. Like, yeah. I I like problem solving. It's, it's, it's totally my jam, especially when it comes to role-playing games. And so, like, I usually have, oh, my character problem solves this way and this is how their brain works and okay now I'm gonna go into this world into this situation with these people and interact with them usually poorly um, and uh, like low socials for the win and, and problem solving problem solving mm-hmm. um, and so that I think might be what they're talking about of like a character that is comes together very early yeah. as opposed to the character that I have now where the the game itself, part of the game, and that I'm really excited about because I've never done this. Mm-hmm. Part of the game is finding out who the character is, yeah. as opposed to I'm going to fix everything and do all the problems. Yeah, um, and I th- so I think that might be That's that idea not, right there. Not quite what I was going for, but I like your thought process. Yeah, that's not quite what I was trying to express. But <clears throat> oh no, no, I didn't. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, that was different. I know that was different, but it, okay. It, yeah, me of that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, personally, I overthink the crap out of my characters as I'm designing what? them. I know, right? This is because my surprise face. it's 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 only my absolute favorite part of of gaming actually is creating characters. Yeah. So um, I I I overthink the crap out of them so that when it comes into first session, I know exactly who that character is mm-hmm. when we go into first session. Mm-hmm. At that point, all bets are off mm-hmm. because. Interacting with the world changes you. Yeah. Oh, yes. And one of the things I love about role playing is seeing how those interactions change my preconceptions about this character that I agonized over for however many hours, mm-hmm. and how he because I only play male characters, mm-hmm. but um, uh, he reacts and is influenced by the, the decisions that he makes and by the the uh, uh, situations that he gets thrown into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, the character comes together in the beginning and then keeps coming together mm-hmm. more yes. throughout the rest of the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's one of the, the arguments for um, like not leveling at all, because what really is important, like if you have, if your character is really put together and you have like a story that isn't necessarily like of a very long duration, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how your character changes, how your personality changes, is what is important. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I'm not necessarily saying that's correct. That's just one of the arguments that I've heard. Mm-hmm. It's like it's about how the environment changes you, mm-hmm. as opposed to how much better you get at knitting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this has changed a ton for me, and I th- I, I I don't think there is a right point for a character to come together. Um, there's been characters, and I used to be like the person who came, came and wrote like the giant backstory. Um, and then I... You? Me? 
<laughs> but more and more, I actually I come to the table and I actually try not to have like an idea. Like if I ha- if I need to have like a, a class or a playbook or something in mind, I do. But I like kind of figuring out while I sit there, like what kind of works. Um, and my character from Jason's Demigods game, Raven, is like a really good example of this oh, because yeah. it took me a while to figure her out. Like me, like even though I like was making her up. Um, and she ended up a very different character than I kind of was like, because I was like sitting there, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll play the trickster. That sounds interesting. That sounds very different than something I've played. So in our session zero, I like kind of made her up as we went, and she ended up being like, like, like really emotional for me, and like something that actually changed the way I approach role playing. Like experiencing that, those are the best. Yeah, it was very interesting, and I actually play a lot of characters that I don't think I would have been brave enough to play because I kind of went through that. Um, so I, I don't think there's a right time. Like, I was literally, like, halfway through that campaign before I started really feeling like I knew who Raven was. But there's also characters I've played um, where I feel like second session, I'm like, oh, I've got this locked in. I know exactly who this person is. So I don't know if one is better than the other. No, you're, you, Raven was so immensely different from uh, your character in Moat. Yeah. Totally I mean, they're, they're yeah. Just, just night and day mm. completely, you know, different planets different. Yeah. And and how you played them was completely different. And then the one uh, in in uh, um, uh, Jim's in really Jim's game, <laughs> like in, Adrian was just me, like a control freak. Ventrue. <laughs> like that's my that's myself. But then, yeah. <laughs> but, then but then your musician character in in Jib's Cortex game yes. was also just another another part of yeah. yeah that also like was someone. Yeah. It's like oh she's. A folk musician. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I started, I made that character, and I was like, I like it. That that one is actually hard because I got like three sessions into that, okay. and I was like, oh, I made a character that's too close to me. Yeah, oh, be, you, you, basically, you, Adrian was your professional you. Yeah, and 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 the musician was your personal you. Yeah, but it got hard because I started like worrying about her, and like it was just very. It's it's there's like a safety. Distance yeah. from playing yeah. like something bleed that's too close a, to yourself. Yeah. Oh, bleed is and a thing. suddenly like you're bleed like, oh, there's orphans and oh yeah. shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Whoa, this got real. Yeah. So I don't think there can be a right point. I think no. every it, it changes yeah. for every person. And as a GM, I think you can kind of help people along in like your session zeros and stuff by like having like character connections or backstory questions or um, like on your first session. Um, I tried something new this, when I started Masks this week where I had them, because they're all teenagers, so I'm like, okay, it's morning and you're getting ready for school. What does your alarm sound like? How are you? What do you do in the morning? Like, just these basic, like, how do you start your day questions. Right. Um, and I read that on, I don't know where I read, like, a, a, something that suggested that. Um, so that kind of, like, got us rolling, and it might have it might have been boring, I don't know, but... Well, I mean, it's may have been from the Apocalypse World book because that is very specifically what Apocalypse World says your first section should be is, let's do an everyday Yeah, I think it might have been actually. And, you know, what is your house like? Mm -hmm. Let's see where you guys hang out. Um, And it really, like, kind of sets the world up and lets the Mm -hmm. players also, like, Kind of still determine like where they hang out or where they go yeah. to. And think I about thought it was great. Things. I had a yeah. lot of fun. Okay, good. Yeah. Like, and you're like, well, I don't know. Is my character the type to get up early and put on a bunch of makeup, or to roll out of bed and put it on on the bus on the way to school? Like those little things that. Or even, not at all. Yeah, or not at all. Yeah, which is me every day. Um, yeah, so I don't know. So I think 
I think this is definitely of all of the five questions. This is the one that like this is there it, is no answer. To. Yeah, there's it's it's this is all personal preference, and he yeah. he did specify it was like totally. I'm just looking for your opinions yeah. on this. So. My opinion is you can't have an opinion on this because it's different for every campaign. Yeah, so yeah. Every and, and sorry, yeah, I know that's a cop out every, answer, but yeah, different yeah. every campaign, every yeah. situation, every, every system, yeah. for everything. I will put one qualifier down though, since mm-hmm. he mentions gameplay mechanics. By the second or third session, I want to understand the basic gameplay mechanics. Yes, but I think he means like like yeah. coming together, like the characters effective, and and capable of doing stuff. You know, some of my best characters were ineffective for right? over half the game. Yeah, <laughs> um, one of my favorite characters ever was completely ineffective because he was on drugs the entire time. <laughs> first, first character I ever played in any game ever was um, yeah. I, I I had designed a character that that. It's like, well, I had to do a little bit here, a little bit here, and, and, and it's like, oh, the, the, this is a system. You know what? Screw it. We're, we're going to do it this way. <laughs> yeah, he was he was ineffective compared to the other player characters mm-hmm. at certain things, but it was like, I'm worse at this than he is, and mm-hmm. I'm worse th- at this than he is, and I'm worse at this than he is. Yeah. But I can do all of those things, just not quite as well. Uh, jack of all trades. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Jack of all trades can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, but in Traveler, they're like. <laughs> oh, like when you get jack of all trades goal. three. Yeah, that's. Oh yeah, yeah. No, oh, <laughs> that's, man. that's the best. Or I'll try anything. <laughs> Just have a zero in so much stuff. You're like, I can do everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a negative three a to everything. Three. All right, so we have been talking for a long time, and we haven't gotten to the other two emails. So we're going to go through these other two emails. We they are valuable, and we love them. But we're going to go through them and be pithy and on topic. I believe in us. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, I'm going to read this one from our friend Christopher Gray. Hi, Chris. Um, all right. And he is writing in about more on I- RPGs with IPs, which we kind of touched on already in this discussion. So, hello, genuinely lovely people. Hey, Chris. See, I think we should stop the douchebag thing. You folks aren't douchebags. You are insightful, funny, and interesting commentators on a hobby for which you exhibit a lot of sincere passion. And we're pretty. <laughs> but the douchebag comment comes from a very funny story in, like, season one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long time ago. <laughs> so anyway, I heard repeatedly that you need some emails. So here's an email. I was taken with your discussion about managing games uh, with known IPs by recommending you play adjacent to known areas of the story. I have some real world, I mean, I guess real game, I guess, examples of this in action. In my game, the Great American Novel Role Playing Game by Christopher Gray. <laughs> That's a very subtle plug back. Very podcast. subtle, yeah. <laughs> Available on Chris, ChristopherGray.org. I don't know. That's, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> Google it, you'll find it. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of fun uh, using known trappings for con sessions. It helped to ex- expedite the game by setting up themes everyone already knows and presenting Ooh. an implicit tone and structure. So I chose known trappings like The Godfather, The Shining, Tombstone, and many others. While each was handled a little differently, they all remained story adjacent. For The Godfather, we played our version of the Corleonos. Did I say that right? Corleonis. Corleonis, there we go. I haven't Probably. seen Godfather. Don't tell me. Yes, that's Corleone. Um, <laughs> but we, it's, it's just between us. Thanks. He doesn't listen to the show. Wait. <laughs> yeah, I was actually in that game that he's oh, talking he's about. Oh, he's in the chat room. 
Hi, Chris. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Hey, Sam. <laughs> All right, anyway. Um, sorry, we call you Mr. Kimmy. Um, with each, <laughs> each was handled a little differently. Oh, yeah, the Corleones, but we used our own characters. They were in New York during the 1940s and were involved in a massive mafia war that all started at, not a wedding, an Easter celebration. Yep. Ooh, how historical. Yeah. For The Shining, we went closely adjacent. The players were playing writers, going to a writing retreat in the Overlook Hotel in 1987. So canonically, uh, canonically the great Grady murder happened at the, uh, and also the Torrance incident. They had to go through the same debrief that Jack Torrance went through all those years ago, ex- uh, except this time he was part of the story too. And the characters even got to meet Ghost Jack later in the session, allowing me to whip out my best Jack Nicholson impres- impression. Very nice. For Tombstone, we played in Tombstone, but populated it with the characters that we made, not the historical ones, or the dramatized ones from the movie. However, we hit all of the tropes, and instead of the OK Corral, there was another climactic shootout with serious consequences at a ranch homestead. In the big, uh, in big bag con recently, I ran what was basically a Star Wars game using the system where this known Star Wars universe was replaced with our own shorthand version, but all the same themes. It went very Rogue One on us and culminated in a huge firefight between rebels escaping a mansion where arms trading was done and Imperials trying to crush them. We even made up the name of our Empire, Planet, and Rebels. But make no mistakes, we were playing Star Wars. In general, keeping themes adjacent, even if you choose to or not to use canonical characters, is enough to capture the feeling and the tone of the IP. The themes and tropes are more important than the proper nouns, and with the right care, can emulate any movie or book you are trying to go for. That's it for now. P.S. You don't have to drink if you don't want to, but if you do, now is a good time as any. Thank you, Chris. So, what I would do with that is uh, mobs, like, like mob bosses and mobs in 1850 in a like town way up in the mountains of Colorado and it snows early and you're all stuck there. Can I play? <laughs> <laughs> so, all of the above. So, you know that Mary's and everything's haunted. Yes. <laughs> I am only in four right now. <laughs> so fun bit of trivia before we move on to the next email. The Shining is my husband's like favorite movie. Really? I couldn't have told yeah. from the particular uh, yeah. photo that went out I, recently. Have you guys yeah. ever stayed at the Iwani? No. But he tried to show it to me one time. I am terrible with horror movies. Like, I get scared and I start yelling at the screen. Like, we got, like, halfway through the movie. And he's like, all right, we're done. We are done with this. We're not doing this anymore. Because I was just, like, screaming at the people because I get so frustrated and, like, tense. Yeah. It's very bad. So, like, I, 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 I've not seen the whole Shining. So, quick it funny was taken story. Away. <laughs> I saw The Shining when I was, like, 21. Yeah. But when I was a kid, my grandpa would go to Yosemite a lot. And he had stolen a key from there in, like, oh. the 70s. Uh-huh. So you could go and get, like, free tea. And my oh. grandpa, being, like, you know, from the Great Depression, yeah. when it's free, we did it all the time. Yeah. So I spent my childhood, like, going to the Iwani all the time. Oh. I had no idea that the sets were based on the Iwani. Mm-hmm. So they go into it, and suddenly it's this hotel that I've known intimately <laughs> since I was, like, three years old. <laughs> And all this bad shit is happening. And I'm going, oh, oh my god! Flip the fuck out. That's awesome. That so <laughs> it was good. so scary. Oh my god. Because it's like you see a horror movie that was shot in your house. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's amazing. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. All right. Last email from Bill in Ann Arbor. You want to read this one, Tappy? Sure. It or Mary. Me. Either one. Uh, it lets me do the joke of uh, if I had a, a restaurant in Ann Arbor, it would be the Ann Arboretum. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. Eat him, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eat him, damn near kill him. There uh, uh, Dear Happy Jacks, relatively new listener. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Einstein says hello. Uh, but I've been binging a lot of RPG podcasts since Gen Con this year. Hmm. Uh, writing on the subject of the problems and benefits of having a personal gold standard of RPG. Hmm. Background. About 1990, when computer adventure games were in their glory days, I discovered a game called Quest for Glory 2, made by Sierra. Also, like, in Oakhurst, right next to Yosemite, which is where the Iwani is. That makes sense. Uh, Not counting Zelda 1 or Zelda 2 for the NES. Zelda 2 is a nightmare. (laughs) Uh, Because they're not actually RPGs, Quest for Glory 2 was the first RPG game I ever played of any kind. The creators themselves, husband and wife, team Lori and Corey Cole who met about 1979 at a tabletop RPG convention, uh, created the game by programming an RPG skill engine over the existing Sierra Adventure Game engine. Cool. Uh, The game had a great amount of depth, and the quests required uh, the player to explore the desert city, meet people, learn about them, and ask what they wanted, ask about lots of things, and through that, learn how to solve puzzles in the game uh, to advance the plot and prevent a game over. The puzzles also required certain inventory items that you found or bought and certain amount of points in one or more skills, which uh, I just which you could spend time practicing to increase, such as climbing, magic in general, a chosen magic spell in particular, throwing, communication, lockpicking, balance, intelligence, honor, strength, communications, etc. The puzzles often had alternate solutions as well. While one solution was best suited to your class, all solutions were possible. That's cool. That's really cool. Can for you have these people game. teach designers now how to make games? <laughs> Seriously, uh, there is also the option to explore the desert for wandering monster encounters, from which uh, to kill and earn items or money. Uh, the game also had a time and day system where you had to j- eat, drink, sleep as the days passed, or suffer, suffer exhaustion and health points. Mm-hmm. After a certain number of days, certain puzzles, defeating the next elemental in order to save the city, became mandatory. The whole game held to a 30-day calendar from beginning to end. Oh. The game was at exactly the right balance point for simplicity and complexity, simple enough in its mechanics, but deep in its lore and possibilities to explore. It had the most advanced text parser, uh, text parser I'd ever encountered in a game. You or your interest, listeners are interested in seeing the game, what the game was like, search YouTube for Let's Play Quest for Glory 2 mm-hmm. by YouTube user Latablut. Late oh. BLT. Late Blight. Oh, Late Blight. There we go. I like Late BLT. I <laughs> late BLT, yeah. yeah. Uh, why, why don't you spell it out just so everyone can... L-A-T-E-B-L-T. Okay. Late BLT. Latablut. <laughs> uh, I think I'm just hungry. It's Late BLT. Yes. You don't have to read the directions. Don't read the directly. They can Google it. Killjoys. <laughs> Six years later, in 19, I love that you all guys, all of you guys knew I was going to do. Oh that. yeah, <laughs> we, we've met you. Uh, <laughs> Six years later, in 1996, I'd be introduced to Dungeons and Dragons and other tabletop RPGs, which I love tremendously. 
Quest for Glory 2 was magical to me, and to this day is my personal gold, gold standard for all RPGs of any type of form. My tabletop RPG dream is to run a campaign very similar to it in form and mechanics. Nice. What are your personal gold standards for tabletop RPG campaigns? Mm. Have you ever had the, the delight in meeting them? What do you think the benefits and detriments to having a personal gold standard, something excellent to shoot for versus possibly unrealistic expe- uh, expectations? Expectations? <laughs> There's a question mark at the end of that. And okay. I, I failed miserably. This way. Uh, roll of 20, Bill in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Nice. Um... <laughs> I don't. I mean, computer games and role playing games are very different, oh, yeah. and a lot of the mechanics that he's talking about there would be very difficult, or at least time consuming, to do in an RPG. But is there one where, like, if you encountered something that had that feel to it? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I, it sounds like he has that feel of like you know. Um, let me get to it. Where like suffer exhaustion, health points, and you have to eat, drink, or sleep, and you have all these things that you have to do because if you don't, then all of these bad things happen. It's that is a lot of like stuff happening to you that isn't necessarily related to like other characters or, or role playing with other characters, etc. It's, it's things that happen into because of stuff you are personally doing or the environment, mm-hmm. and all these points and stuff are things that you can keep track of. I mean, you can keep track of bullets. And arrows and stuff like that. I do not have the ability to do that. Right. I just, I just don't. Well, I think, I think the the interesting piece of that um, is that in a lot of video games, you don't like you do have to worry about ammo, but it kind of does it for you. Exactly. Things like that. But I think, I think there's an element of realism to having to worry about getting tired that a lot of video games specifically leave out nowadays because mm-hmm. people don't like that. Like, well, not I, I like that. But there's a lot of, like, the regular video game community who gets stressed out. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2 um, mm-hmm. and Red Dead Red Redemption. But, like, the realism of that is something that, at first, everyone's like, wow, this is so realistic. And then people are like, oh, this is so realistic. This is so realistic. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and I, I, I play a game to escape well, realism. Thank you. <laughs> but in the context of, of role-playing, of tabletop mm-hmm. role-playing, I, I mean, if, if you want to do that sort of, or you have a... a I would love it if a GM was super into yeah. like tracking all of that, yeah, um, and having that sort of like I fear try. of of thing. But I, I can't. Yeah, that's just something that that I'm yeah. not good. I, I, I have some friends who GM that way, and they really love it, and their players really love it, and that's something they're into. I I, I tried in the last uh, specifically D and D campaign that I ran because that was the last campaign I ran, um, and I mean because. You know, D&D 5th edition has exhaustion rules. Mm. You know, what happens when you haven't sl- had a long rest in a certain amount of time or uh, haven't had a meal or whatever. And you suddenly you have to start... You get detriments to your abilities because of it. Yeah. And I, I, I really tried. I did. I, I just... Keeping track of five players and my story and that kind of bookkeeping... Mm-hmm. When I knew my players weren't going to be doing that kind of bookkeeping, uh, yeah, I couldn't. I, other, other doc in the chat room says, Years ago I started doing a homebrew Quest for Glory conversion for Savage Worlds. Never quite finished it, but it was fun to think about. I remember corresponding briefly with Corey Cole, one of the creators of Quest for Glory, and he told me they tried using Quest for Glory World Gloriana in D&D, but it never really quite felt quite the same um, for them whenever they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't like my tabletop games becoming resource management bookkeeping. 
Yeah, but I think I mean I think that's yeah. I think the question is really like, yeah. what's your gold standard? What do you love? So it's more like again, like what flavor ice cream do you like? So while it sounds like one of the things that they loved about Quest for Glory, and especially at the time, like we have to yeah. remember like yeah. when this was yeah. 1990. Yeah, that's cause yeah, that's way out there to ha- to like have that much thought and realism and that many options and things to think about in a video game. That was like that really was, different. So that, that was well, like they also exciting. couldn't they couldn't uh, just sit back on the graphics, so <laughs> rely on the graphics <laughs> right the time, to sell so, the yeah. game. So I I don't know, like what are your I, you know, for me, it's it's achieving a very particular kind of immersion, mm-hmm. and this definitely comes out of the fact that I'm a LARPer as well, mm-hmm. and it's there. I want that moment where I am not thinking about playing the character; I am reacting as the character, mm-hmm. and um, it's much easier to achieve in LARP because most of the people around you have that same level buy-in, and you have more environmental factors. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a tabletop game, if you you're the only one who's that heavily immersed and you've got chatter going on next to you maybe that's not focused or you say a comment and somebody decides they have to start playing a song on their iPod because it's not the scene they're in but they Mm -hmm. still want to be involved somehow or any number of other things that really can break those moments because they're very fragile moments Mm -hmm. Uh, but when I can get those moments of immersion where I'm really just reacting as the character to the point where even if I am rolling dice I'm not really thinking about the mechanic so much as Yes, I am trying to swing this sword. It just feels like rolling dice, mm-hmm. and and really hitting that immersion moment. I think mm-hmm. is is really my gold standard thing. And I'll have moments like that, but in a tabletop game, it's something that maybe lasts ten, twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and then you move on because it's the next player's turn or something. It's a lot easier for me to get in a LARP, um, and I think that's a lot of the time. That's what I'm looking for is that moment where I'm not myself, but like not in a mental breakdown way. Mm-hmm. That's a good clarification. It yeah. is, yeah. That's <laughs> important. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I don't, I, I yeah, don't know I that have, I have one. I don't yeah. know if I have a gold standard. Like, I can, I can look back. Like, looking back at, I mean, Sierra Games did a lot of really amazing. They stuff really did, on. yeah. Um, but like, my first like concept of of role playing was actually hilariously enough from Zork. Mm. Which is not Zork a role playing amazing. game, but it's fun, right? So my brother and I we played the fuck out of Zork two and three, and we ran out of Zork to play at the time, mm. and so we started making up our own. But we didn't want to program, so one person would be the computer, and the other person. And we created dungeons that had different rooms and descriptions, but we had would come up with puzzles that the other person would mm-hmm. come through and try and figure out. And so, like I said before, like my jam is puzzles. Mm-hmm. Like I really not like. Well, I mean, number puzzles can be fun, but like, how do I? I have this goal. There's this impediment to it. How do I get around it to do that? Rather, it's like my character's personal thing, or something that the GM is saying we have to do, or or whatnot. And so in Zork, that's what you're doing. Yeah. You're like you, and you come across these puzzles that you don't even know are puzzles. You just have an impediment until you find something else. Go, oh, I can use that here. And yeah. all that stuff, and so that's what my brother and I, when we came up with our games, mm. would try and come up with of these kind of like multi-level, multi-tiered puzzles mm-hmm. that we would then describe to each other. Mm-hmm. We didn't we didn't have dice because we didn't know that was a way you would randomize. Yeah, because you didn't what? really see that in yeah. work. Yeah, um, but like if it comes down to like one thing that I like, mm-hmm. or that's a, a standard, my, like I think gold standards of. 
isn't a good term for it, but like yeah. that's probably why like a lot of that stuff is because of that early mm-hmm. like yeah. gaming experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, along with I mean it, it, again, not true role playing games, but more story games. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one. Oh God, this was back in the eighties on my old. Macintosh, there was one called Deja Vu, mm-hmm. Lost in Las Vegas, or the original was actually in Chicago. But uh, and it was a story game, and you 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 were a, a PI who woke up in the men's room of a bar, and you had amnesia, and you were trying to figure out who the hell you were, and what how you got there, and what the hell happened, and oh look, you're wanted for murder. Why? Um, and <laughs> it's just like you're tr- you, you had to. F- find all this stuff out and you would go to you'd take a cab off to somewhere and, and get a thing and you're like realize oh that's the key that I need to use in this this safe back mm-hmm. at my office and, and things like that yeah sorry I just got a great idea for a game from that which is yeah. a Shadowrun campaign where all the characters like are like wake up in like the, the like slummy horrible part of town they all have amnesia they don't know what happened to them like they don't know why they have cyberware or anything like that and they have to figure shit out because they also don't have system identification numbers or fake sins mm-hmm. and you gotta you gotta yeah. figure Can out I what play? happened yeah. <laughs> That w- that actually was, would probably work really well for a con game because you could yeah. you could do that kind of a, a amnesia thing in a one shot fairly. There's, mm-hmm. There's somebody used to follow on Live Journal who was playing the campaign. Oh God! Like they had blank D and D character sheets. Live Journal was a <laughs> website that no, that we all used before Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! No, no, it wasn't it Live Journal and then MySpace and then Facebook. I think Live Journal and MySpace were the same time, oh, but we different right. different functionalities. Right. But yeah, it was they were given blank D and D sheets mm-hmm. and whenever they woke up in a barn and whenever they tried to do something they were told what numbers to write in for what they were rolling <laughs> Interesting. so by the end of the second session most of them thought they knew what class they were yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for that's, me that's like cool. we've, we've got to wrap yeah. up we're, yeah, yeah. we're going. but I think for me the gold standard um, for me I think was also um, like something that started for me in video games um, because there's like when you're really into a video game or addicted like I was um, yeah. like literally yes. um, you get this endorphin hit when yep. things go well mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. for me the same in tabletop RPGs I, would, I mean as, as weird and unhealthy as that sounds like there are moments when you're playing an RPG where everything just kind of clicks and you get this endorphin hit that's similar to what I was trained as a youth to enjoy with video games so I think that's really like and you get it as a GM, and you get it as a player, and it's just, and it's different for everyone what it is, but there's just, like, that moment, and and that's, for me, the gold standard, like, when I get those moments, and they are fleeting, like you were talking oh, yeah. about earlier, yeah. Mary. I mean, honestly, I think that's just a broader description of what I was talking okay, about. Okay, yeah. 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 Positive psychologists have a name for that. Oh, yeah. They call it Fiero. Ooh. And that's, like, that, that like, excitement, that of yeah. when something is very difficult or mm-hmm. takes a, a high level of skill and is very difficult and it like succeeds yeah that there's like that hit yeah. for you cool that's what it is cool I learned a thing yeah that's awesome. awesome well good job you guys uh, let's see wait I'm gonna play the anthem um, wait, should wait, we oh. talk about what Kurt's doing on Sunday I have a little, oh, yes, little announcement. Little <laughs> announcement. You, you've heard me talk about my band before, and you've heard Stu and 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 people talk about their bands. And what, uh, what is the name? Of your the band? name of the band is Sportive Tricks, and Sportive Tricks has a show this coming Sunday, meaning two days from now, if you're watching live. Sunday, Sunday, uh, Sunday the seventeenth of November at Muldoon's Irish Pub in Newport Beach. Yes, and uh, it is also, thank God. 
our CD release. Yay! <laughs> We're finally releasing our fourth album, a fourth, fourth, fourth full length album. Yes. Uh, after you're working on it for 26 months. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's. That's longer than a baby. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's longer than an elephant baby. A Let me give you an idea. <laughs> So uh, yeah, um, we're we're very very proud of this product, and we're really excited about this. And you should, uh, and it will be available online, if not sooner, definitely by the twentieth of November. Cool. Where online? Uh, at sportivetricks.com, at uh, cdbaby.com/sportivetricks, at iTunes, Amazon. Uh, uh, yeah, all the places. All the places should be available online awesome. definitely by the twentieth, maybe sooner. Yay! But yeah, sportive tricks. S P O R S P O R T I V E T R I C K S. Nice. Very good. Very good. Very good. Well, that's very exciting. Break a leg. That's a fantastic thing. <sighs> For your, if you're not performing, break a leg is a nice thing to say. Yes. So, all right, let's close out. Thank you for joining us on Happy Jack's RPG podcast and advice show. This is episode or season twenty-five, episode fifteen. My name is Kimmy. This is Tappy. This is Mary. And this is Kurt. And thank you very much uh, again. If you'd like to write into the show, happyjacksrpg at gmail and we will leave you with a song. Thank you very much. Thank you to the chat room, and we will talk to you later. Goodbye. And dark things occupy the playgrounds, shooting up the park. Don't seem to be no work for me, no matter how I try. My wife's hustling tables, struggling to get by. I bought the dream of working hard, played straight to get ahead. Now my dreams mock me, my nights are filled with dread. So I count the cost and cut the loss, try to pay my way. I wake up every morning, like to make it through the day. Don't want to live in fear, don't want to live in pain. Hiding in darkness, afraid to speak my name. Stand as my witness, I will not live in shame. Though I lie down broken, I will wake up whole again.
as my witness, I will not live in shame. Though I lie down broken, I will wake up whole again. Bad men prowl through palaces, preaching hate and lies. Wise men cower in corners, covering up their eyes. Deprive us, divide us, turn friend into foe. Days go dark and weary as bitter winds do blow. Don't let the shadows drag you down or surrender to dismay. Kneel beside our brothers, hear what our sisters say. Raise your voices with me, don't go silent in the night. I will not curse the darkness, I'd rather be the light. Don't want to live in fear, don't want to live in pain. Hiding in darkness, afraid to speak my name. Stand as my witness, I will not live in shame. Though I lie down broken, I will wake up again. Don't want to live in fear, don't want to live in pain. Hiding in darkness, afraid to speak my name. Stand as my witness, I will not live in shame. Though I lie down broken, I will wake up all again. Though I lie down broken, I will wake up all again. Though I lie down broken, I will wake up all again. The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.